Amen and amen. Amen. Well, y'all can, uh, we can end in prayer now and just leave. Uh, it's, it's a lot of pressure to follow all of that, um, including uh, Pastor Eric's word this morning. Wasn't that fantastic? If you were blessed, give Pastor Eric a hand this morning. Come on, if you were blessed by that word. Tell you what, that uh, just being here is fantastic. I, I don't really know where to start. I, I've been told I've got like 20 minutes to share. Uh, I'm going to take a little bit longer. It was lies. Pastor Nick said it was a lie. But uh, I don't know how to fit in everything that I'd like to say. So I'm going to try to be real short. Uh, when, when Pastor Eric shared with us what the theme, if you will, of this uh, One Association meeting was, I was so blessed because God began to give me a word immediately. And for those of you, most of you in this room that are prepared for messages, you know what a blessing that is. When you don't, you know, the Lord just says, this is it. Open your mouth and speak it out. And that's awesome. And the Lord began to do that to me. And But there's a flip side to that. The other side of that is, Lord, please don't let me screw this up. Because I know, I know that it's your word. Help this vessel articulate it properly. Amen. So we're going to pray that God would not only help me to articulate his message properly, but he would prepare your hearts and your ears just in case I mess up. Amen. And I know he has. And I know this word is for you. Uh, before I get on the message, I just I need to say this. I'm so thankful to the uh, Arising Church and for all of you guys here. And I know that you don't want to hear this, and I'm sure every pastor is going to tell you this. Uh, but I, I just just take it because it's it's so wonderful what y'all have done here. Uh, not just what God has blessed you with and what you've done with the work that He's given you, what these pastors have done and what the elders here have done, but all of you collectively feel, letting us feel so welcome. I feel like I'm right at King's Harvest. I feel like I'm at Life Changing. I feel like I'm at Submission. I feel like I'm where God's people are in this place. And so y'all have, give yourselves a hand if you would. Give a rising church people a hand too. Such a blessing. Listen, listen, I, I don't mean to, I'm going to try not to trip and hurt myself. I, I don't mean, to, I'm not, I'm just saying this in all humility. I, I've, uh, I've been around this, the charismatic movement, church life, since I was little bitty, uh, my parents were drastically saved and uh, snatched away from a life of complete destruction and misery. And at a young age, I saw what the redeeming power of God really was, what the Holy Spirit, what the real deal was. And uh, I've been in big churches, charismatic churches on the mission field and in small little living room churches where the people weren't speaking English, but the Spirit of God was there. Amen. Uh, I've been in uh, churches this size and living room churches, the Holy Spirit, when he is present, it is a really special thing. And you know, when the real thing is there, I know when the real thing is there and you guys, we have it life changing. And with one association and a rising church, we've got the real thing. Amen. And this is, this is beautiful where we can get together and we can, we're still doing the, the vision of last year where we're dying for the vision of our brother. We're still doing that. See, it doesn't end, by the way. It's not a one-year deal that we do this. We're just going to remind everybody each year of something special. But we keep on doing this till the end. And it holds true in acts of faith when you guys die to your flesh and you serve the way you serve. And you come and you prepare and you buy plane tickets and you drive here and fly here and do all of those things. God honors that. And it is very evident. Amen. 
And what God's doing here is going to just grow and grow. And this is the real thing. This crushes the head of the enemy. Amen? Amen. It's nothing else. This crushes the head of the enemy. It's people putting their faith in action and not just having an inner dialogue of what, who Jesus is, but they walk Jesus. They are Jesus. Amen? In their actions. And it's fantastic to be able to experience that. Oh, I can see y'all. I got out of that light. Oh, you beautiful people. There's a lot of people here. Um, I, before I get started, uh, I am, uh, I'll get back in the light, so I just keep talking. I get nervous otherwise. Bit, by the way, reason why, full disclosure, why I have a jacket on, one, it's cold outside. And, and here, how many of you were in Louisiana last year in the sweat tent? It was a sweat in for Jesus, right? Do you know how exciting it is for me to get to wear a jacket somewhere where, that, where I can actually, it's justifiable? I have, to, I have to wear tank tops and t-shirts all the time. And if you were in November in Louisiana last year, and we're in that, you were in that tent, holy cow. I, it's amazing that I'm over 200 pounds. It really is. A lot more over. I don't know, I don't know how I'm not like a buck 60 all the time. I, I, it's so wonderful getting to come to a place. The weather is beautiful. So I get to wear a jacket and also... Full disclosure, if I didn't, if you saw, I have a tremendous sweating problem whenever the anointing comes. And it's my burden to bear. And I, it's so bad that I have had church people give me anti-sweat t-shirts. And I don't know if you know what that is, but it is shirts that they've specifically designed so you don't sweat through them. And I sweat through those as well. But it's only when the anointing is there, I'm telling you right now. So you want a, you want a Holy Ghost indicator? It's, it's, it is my, my temple. So I just want to tell you guys, I'm not trying to be GQ. I, Eric's giving me a hard time. Uh, I, I am humbled to be here. God is in this place. I see it in your faces. I hear it in your voices. And King's Harvest and me and my family and my brothers and sisters that are with me, we're spurred on by this in a way that you don't know. You don't know. We love you guys so much. Y'all are awesome. Uh, I want to if I could have uh, Brother David, Brother Eli, Brother Will, Brother Jeremy, y'all stand up, please. These men here, y'all give them a hand, Brit. And we laid hands on these guys last year, and we anointed them for the calling that God has on their life to be pastors and elders. And there might be, uh, I like how Pastor Eric says it, there, there might be some mission work that our pastors go and do to help other foreign pastors do a work. Amen. Uh, we laid hands on these guys to recognize what God had called them to do at King's Harvest. And we wanted the, the Lord to anoint them for that call. I just want to tell you guys here, full accountability sake, these guys have been incredible pillars at King's Harvest. They have, they have absolutely stood up to the task. They have been fantastic. The, the Lord's anointing is on them. They're growing and I just want to ask you all to continue to pray for these brothers and for me because the foundation of King's Harvest is strong and it's going to be built on the shoulders of these men. Amen. And I couldn't be more proud of these guys. And I thank them now in front of everybody. And they, they hate that I'm doing this, I promise. But I want to recognize these guys are, are enabling King's Harvest to be. Amen. So y'all give them a hand. I thank them for being here. They are blessed. And let me tell you, there's nothing glorious about anything that they do. When I, uh, what I'm saying is they scrub the toilets at our place. Uh, and, and they mop the floors. And they clean the chairs. 
and occasionally they might get to minister in a way that people see, but they do all the things that nobody else sees. And I can't tell you what a blessing that is and that they're here with us. And also, uh, Cameron and Sarah, would y'all stand up? I just want to give my, these are my, some more King's Harvest peeps. Y'all give them a hand. For those of you who don't know, and if, if you're sitting by somebody who doesn't know the story, find somebody that does. The Lord uh, miraculously put this couple in our life uh, right before the flood in Louisiana, before all that happened. And uh, we met these guys. Cameron, uh, I only got to see him once because he didn't come to church. Sarah did with her family. And uh, in, in Cameron's defense, he, wor- he was working on Sundays. But I think even then... He wouldn't have come to church at that time. But the Lord literally, a very brief testimony. Y'all stay standing. I know it's uncomfortable. Just stay there. Uh, The Lord made it so that my wife and I, Lynn, we bumped into these guys and one every single Sunday for six weeks. Uh, We left church after we ministered, hung out at church. You know, you know, people, two o'clock, we'd be eating lunch on a Sunday, 2.30. And we'd sit next to this family. And I'm not talking about the same restaurant, six different restaurants in the area. Every time we sat down, not only did they sit us next to these guys, but we were the only ones in the restaurant. And my wife, because she's very discerning, much more than I am, after about the third one, you know, our kids would wave and my my little one would be like, is that the family that was there last Sunday? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know, baby, don't stare. We'd sit right next to them. In a whole restaurant, and it'd just be us. And we just, hey. About the third time that this happened, or the fourth time, my wife finally leaned over to Sarah, and she's like, hey, this is kind of awkward, but we keep sitting next to each other, and I don't know. I don't believe in chance. I think the Lord is maybe working this out. And they begin to talk. And, and what God has done from that conversation, uh, he's provided King's Harvest with a building. That was the place we were at last year. And property. And for us to build for the next, for the foreseeable future at King's Harvest, God specifically ordained that through these guys. And that's not all the, that's not the biggest testimony. The biggest testimony is the growth in that man right there. And, 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 and what God is doing, the, the property is just property. The building is just a building. I tell King's Harvest, we'll have church underneath an overpass or out in the woods. It doesn't matter. But what Jesus does in families and in marriages, and Sarah can attest, and if I gave her the microphone, she'd take over, so I'm not going to do that. She's a preacher through and through. But what God is doing in this family, in this marriage, and in their children is astounding. It's phenomenal. And the Lord is working and having his way. We even went to an LSU football game. Listen to this. As if if the restaurants weren't enough. My, I got tickets last minute on a Saturday to go to an LSU game. I never brought my son. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll go. Me and David Mouton went. He brought his son. I brought mine. Go to an LSU football game. We sit down. About midway through the first quarter, my son goes, hey, Dad, is that the guy that we keep meeting at the restaurant? And I look, and Sarah and Cameron are sitting right below us. And the camera's like, hey, how you doing? I was like, what in the world? But what God is doing, see, God is moving and working. And these guys... They, they made a, a, a vow to be here at the end of last year's meeting because they were so spurred on by this. So what God is doing in the One Association is not just impacting all the churches. It's impacting individuals, and it's bringing life. Amen? Y'all give them a hand. I got two more. It's such a blessing that they're here. 
at, at great cost as well. Look, I, I owe them a lot of money still. So it's amazing that they're here. Uh, that, that process of purchasing the property, it's still going on, right? And I know a rising church is very well aware of how all that stuff works. Uh, I wanted to give you all a testimony uh, that we closed on the property, but it didn't work out. The enemy got in there, and uh, there's some other paperwork that I got to produce or whatever. It's no big deal. My goal is, is that when we get back, within a week of us getting back, we're going to close. So I, I ask you, Keep praying about that. I don't want any more paperwork to have to be produced. I don't want the enemy to, you know, I need a signature from some dead uncle that I need or whatever. I don't want the enemy to get in there and mess this process up anymore. So I covet your prayers. Pray that we close in a month from now, at least. Amen? Because these guys are sacrificing their lives so that the church can succeed. King's Harvest. And it means a lot to me. And I know it means a lot to y'all. We're family. I'm telling you about family stuff. Amen? Speaking of family, Ahmad, Kaylee, could y'all stand up, please? Come on. Y'all give them a hand. Listen. I want to just tell you, Ahmad's been praying for this meeting. Every day, you might see him on Facebook. Go check out his Facebook page. He's been praying every day, not just for this meeting. He's been praying for individuals in this room. Every day since we stopped meeting last year at the 10. This man, to say that he's a prayer warrior is the understatement of understatements. And for this guy to be here right now, there, there's no excuses in Ahmad's book. None. He sets the precedent real high for each of us. He doesn't forsake the assembly. He doesn't forsake anything. He's the most steadfast person I know other than the core group guys. He, he's there more often. I, he's actually by church before I am. Absolutely. I know he prays more than I do. And, and I love the fact that this brother is not going to allow any affliction in his life to stop him from being with God's people. Amen. Amen. And I just, I, I thank Ahmad for his faithfulness and God's going to bless him. Y'all give Ahmad a hand for being here. That's the man of God right there. And lastly, Kaylee's going to, I don't even know Kaylee that well. I'll be real honest. I know. I know her enough for her to say she's going to kill me. But this is the deal. This is a testimony and it's what Pastor Eric was preaching this morning. Kaylee's been coming to King's Harvest for a handful of weeks, uh, months, a couple months. And the Lord is doing something so drastic in her life, so palpable, so real, that coming to this trip was, is not, wasn't even a question. And that moves my heart that someone, I, I, don't, I don't know, it's not like I've, I've never even had her over for dinner. Lynn and I haven't even, I apologize for that, by the way. We're going to do that. Put it on the calendar, babe. Uh, we haven't, we haven't wooed her or like, you know, we haven't tried to, as a matter of fact, Kaylee's experienced some, some, some godly encouragement to be more godly than she ever thought. It was probably, it's come across maybe a little harsher than she could ever imagined. And, and the Lord, the, because Kaylee has taken that and said, Lord, I want you to form me and mold me and shape me. God's blessing her life right now. And I'm praying for her husband right now. I'm praying for her. He's, he's six foot four with a beard, kind of a Viking type. Maybe in this room. I don't know. That's just the Lord put that on my heart. I'm just saying, this is the deal. This is the deal. God blesses those who are obedient. And, and the fact that Kaylee is here, Kaylee doesn't know me. 
She doesn't owe me anything. I didn't do anything for her. Jesus did everything for her, and she recognized it. And she's put her business on hold and everything to come be here this, today. And it, and it moves my heart, and I thank you for being here. Y'all give Kaylee a hand if you would. I'm going to use up all my message time. Lord, hold time for a second. Um, I asked the, the, the core group guys to stand up. Wives of the core group guys, could y'all stand up? Come on, Heather, Nikki, Tanya, Amy. Come on, Heather. Y'all give these ladies a hand. This, this is the deal. Uh, these guys, of course, are the epitome and the definition of what a godly spouse is to these men of God in this room. And I encourage you to continue to lift them up. The calling on their life. The women's ministry at King's Harvest is the strongest ministry actually that we have. And it's because of these ladies. And it's because of their dedication. I, I encourage you to continue to lift them up. I want to thank y'all for being here and being such an awesome part. Amen. Y'all give them a hand. They're a blessing. And last but not least, Lynn and my children. Could y'all stand up, please? Hannah, Ella. This is what we're, this is what every, this is the challenge for everybody. Everybody in this room, that the next generation, that your relationship that God's giving you, given you, or is going to give you, amen? That relationship is going to be a family that is going to impact generations. I've seen it in my brothers already. Uh, my wife was holding Judah at an Applebee's whenever he was about two years old, and he choked on a potato chip and threw up all over her. I'm sorry, Judah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, and I've seen these generations. I've seen who Judah is now. I've seen who Gabe is. I've seen who Abby is. I've seen the Sutherlands. I've seen Gabe. I've seen what God's doing in generations. And this is the challenge. I couldn't be more proud of the generation that God's given me that's coming up next. And my daughter, Ella, Ella Wave. Ella and Hannah. Hannah, give me a hand. Give me a hand. And Hannah and my son, Jude. And it's an awesome. Y'all give them a hand. And, and listen. They, Lynn, I didn't tell you to sit. I, Lynn, you got to stand back up. Jude, you can sit down, buddy. Every man in here, if you, if, you, if you don't have a wife, you need to pray for a wife like this one. And I to, not to uh, all the women here that are wives are awesome. But pray for, the, pray for a wife like this one. I started praying for her whenever I heard Larry Stock still preach a message about sowing seeds in the spiritual kingdom. And setting your standard high and God would meet that standard if you prayed and you asked God for it. He would give it to you. I heard that sermon as a seven-year-old and I began praying for my wife every single night. That's not an exaggeration or a joke. Every single night I prayed for my wife and my children. And God heard my prayer. And he gave me a woman that is, I can't, I can't describe it. It's just a gift from God and that's it. And there's nothing greater. And I, and I thank her for, of course, being here and putting up with me. Y'all give Lynn a hand if you would, please. I say all that to say that King's Harvest is honored to be here and that God is working. And the, the, the pebble that was thrown in the pond that we're at from the life-changing One Association, Arising Church, Submission, New Life, all of these guys that came and, and were apart, the ripple effects are still going on. Amen? The ripple effects of God's moving and his work, it's still going on. I want that to happen here this weekend. Amen? Amen. 
and God will do it. You continue to allow God to speak to you, to give you revelation, to dig deep into your heart, for him to speak to you and for you to find your voice and be who God's called you to be and get spurred on and allow God's fire to consume you. And wherever you go, you'll have that ripple effect. Amen. In this place, when we leave here, we'll leave a ripple of God's presence and this place will be blessed because of it. Amen. King's Harvest is a testimony that continue to lift us up in prayer, and I, I covet your prayers. I really do. Amen. Uh, if you would, please turn to Ephesians. Now, the theme of restoration is uh, there's it's many faceted. There's lots of different things that we could all talk about. I just know that the Lord spoke to me specifically, and, and Pastor Eric really confirmed it in his message this morning, that restoration, spiritual restoration for you as a Christian, for those of you who have counted the cost and who want to serve the Lord with everything in you, spiritual restoration, real restoration in your life is paramount. And I'm not talking about anything except for your relationship with the Lord. Amen? That's all I'm talking about. I'm not, I'm not talking about anything else other than your life, your calling, your heart, your mind, your spirit, yourself being restored unto God. Amen? That's it. So this message is all about you, the individual. Look at your neighbor and say this message is about you. Look at your other neighbor and say it's about you. Amen? The reason why this is so important, a lot of things in our Christian life and our Christian churches that we see, uh, and it's just infiltrating our churches drastically. And I, I, I only know the truth is the only thing that sets us free from this. And it's the truth of God's word. But we, we know there's a lot of political correctness and a lot of man's goodness that is seeping into the truth of God. And man's goodness cannot compare to God's greatness. Man's goodness cannot compare to God's spirit that he's poured out on humanity. Amen? We don't need politically correctness. We need God's Holy Spirit in our life. Amen? That's what we need. Politically cor political correctness can take a hike. I don't need someone's good intentions. I want God's will for my life. Amen? That's what we should be hungering and thirsting for. Unfortunately, the Christian church, and I'm talking about the charismatic church. I'm not talking about anybody else. The charismatic church has become a mockery of, made a mockery of some real incredible principles of God. And one of those principles for me is restoration. Spiritual restoration, I just want to encourage you, is not me time. Spiritual restoration is not for you to kick back and relax in what you've done and rest on your spiritual laurels. That's not what restoration is. Rest, real restoration, that's, that's, that's worldly restoration. That's taking a sabbatical and a fishing trip because I've worked so hard for the Lord. I need some me time. That's not what restoration is. Restoration is, is when God speaks to you. Restoration is when you go throw yourself at the feet of the Almighty and you say, Hey God, I need you to pour some life back into me because I've poured out all I could pour out. And I need you closer than you've ever been in my life right now. I need to tell me what I need to sacrifice. Tell me how I need to get closer to you. I want to be intimate with you right now. That's when God restores you. The closer you get to the Almighty, the better you become. The godlier you become. Amen? And look, it's a terrifying thing to get close to the Almighty. Because he'll, he'll, he'll reveal some things that you need to change. Maybe some of you 20-year, 30-year Christians, 
You've been hanging on to some stuff that you need to change. Are we above that? I'm not above it. I know I need it right now. I know I have to get closer to the Lord. And when I experience true restoration, it's when God speaks to me in the most powerful way. And he shows me what's next. He shows me what I need to improve. He shows me, he, he encourages me. He, he heals my wounds. And he tells me the direction that I'm going in next and how we're going to crush the head of the enemy. That's where restoration takes place. It's an intimacy. It's not me sitting on a, 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 a spiritual beach, sipping a spiritual Mai Tai, you know? It's not me going and playing golf with my buddies or, or me going to a football game and I need some me time or me going and reading my devotional at my coffee house and I get my spiritual. That's not restoration. And I don't, I just encourage you, don't make God restoring in your life what he's called you to do something so petty that's ultimately about you and your comfort. Ask God, say, hey, God, I, I'm ready to be made more uncomfortable. Can you restore me that way? And that's what godly restoration is. It has nothing to do with your flesh. Your flesh will squeal and whine more and more. And uh, praise God. Amen. How many of you want your flesh to squeal and whine a little bit? Amen. Listen, when you do that, you get closer to the mouth of God. Your ear gets closer to his mouth. You hear more clearly. And when he speaks to you, you act more efficiently. You act more readily. You see things that you've never seen before. God reveals things to you that the enemy cannot take away. And that comes in those moments of restoration. And people that I've experienced that, I see it in their eyes. Because they know what it means to count the cost at a greater and greater and greater level. Because they've been with the Almighty and God's restored their vision. He's restored their spiritual health. He's restored their mind. And the enemy can't touch them. That's just the bottom line. We want to stop drinking milk and start eating spiritual steak and potatoes. Let God restore you. Amen. Let God really speak to you this, more, uh, this evening. What time is it? What do we say? Morning? Okay, afternoon. Look at Ephesians. Oh, oh, before I talk about that, there's... Hold on. Time is going slow. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. He slowed it down. Maybe my battery's done. I may have sweated through my battery. It might be short-circuited. <laughs> my time has stopped. Amen. Um, there's a process, and I, and I don't mean to be cutesy. If, if my, my brothers and sisters from King's Harvest know, I don't do any kind of, like, rhyming things or, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not real good with that. I just usually the Lord gives me a word or I see something that I need to improve on that God's been dealing with me, and I just blurt it out. I'm not very... Uh, poetic in my words if 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 you want to see a broken vessel being used for god you're watching it right now i can't sing and the lord has me singing right i don't play the guitar very well guess what i'm doing i'm not a very well good i'm not a see that was completely unplanned i'm not a very good speaker i'm not very eloquent i'm not no i'm it's okay i'm over it I'm not trying to be anymore, right? And, and amazingly enough, God still gets his word through this broken vessel. Amen? And, and this is something, this also crushes the head of the enemy. What, what's he, what's he going to point out to me that I don't already acknowledge and know? Right? Nothing. I've died to a lot of it. I've had to. 
because I'd never get over what God's called me to do if I was worried about what it made me feel like, what it made me look like, whatever. And, and it's something that if you're questioning, well, God can't use me, you, you're watching somebody who, who, who's broken, not, has no ability, and God's using me. Amen? It's just you being obedient. In this, but in this process, in this message uh, today, God did give me a couple of words that come before this restoration process. And I just want to encourage you with this and just have this going on in your mind because I think it's very important for you to be able to experience restoration in your walk. And there's a little bit of a process that comes before being restored or being able to be properly restored by God. And it's being prepared and then it's being utilized and then you can experience restoration. So it's, it's preparation. Look at your neighbor and say preparation. Utilization, and then restoration. Amen? And this process, I've seen this process, I've gone through this process, but I've seen people that love the Lord go through this process over and over and over again. Pastor Eric mentioned Charlie and Joel, and I, and I, I don't, I just got, I'm going to mention them. I've known, like I said, I've grown up in this. Whenever I knew the Lord as a child, Charlie and Joellen were doing what they're doing right now, then. Uh, and I was seven or eight years old. And the Lord was using them for Bible studies. I've grown up in, in their house doing Bible studies and praise and worship services. And the Lord's been using those guys. I mean, you can see Charlie. You can't tell by Joellen, but you can see it in Charlie, right? <laughs> Brother Charlie, I better watch out. He'll still take me out back. But the thing is, is that they know this process that I'm talking about. They're not, they know it. They have been prepared and utilized and restored over and over and over in their walk. And what's beautiful about this couple is that they've allowed it to happen for so long. So many Christian couples that I know, there should be so many more Charlie and Joellens in my life. There should be so many more Charlie and Joellens in this room that have allowed this process to go on and on. But what happens we, we, get, we get distracted about what God's restoration should be doing in our lives. And ultimately, we make it either about us or we say, well, I've done that enough. The Lord's, the Lord's finished. He's good. I'm good. I've had enough. How many of you know you can't have enough of the Lord? You can't. And in our Christian churches, in our Christian lives, we need more of these people that are in there, uh, that have been allowing this to happen for 20, 30, 40 years, and they still don't think of themselves more highly than they should. They still will say, hey, Lord, prepare me. I need to be prepared to be used again. Lord, put me in that place. Can you imagine having done this for 30 years, maybe even 40 years, maybe even 50 years? You've gone through it, and you've gone through it, and you've gone through it, and you still be able to come down here and say, God, I need, I need you to touch me. I need you to prepare me. I'm not ready for the next part yet. I, I might need a, a rebuke. I might need a, a stern word of encouragement. I might need you to dig around in my heart and expose something that I've been hiding from you. That's a tough thing to do because we all feel like we've achieved something over, over a long period of time. Don't we? We feel like we've achieved something that we, we've garnered favor with the Lord because of longevity. The only time you get favor with the Lord is through obedience. And sacrifice. And it's a beautiful thing to have people in my life. And I know there are people here, and I'm sure Pastor Slaughter and Pastor Massey and some of the other pastors here and elders here, 
They have those people in their lives, but they need to be more. I want every person in this room 20, 30, 40 years from now to still be saying, hey, Lord, prepare me to be utilized for the next phase of my life. Amen? Amen. For the next season. I want the Lord to restore me and speak to me, and I want to have some intimate time with the Lord. I want us all in this room to be doing that 20, 30, 40 years from now. Amen? Look at Ephesians, if you would. Just a real quick thing about the preparation. And I know y'all know all this because y'all are all scholars. Uh, and, and I mean that. I don't mean that. I know. There is some incredible uh, word reading and word digestion that's going on in this place. Amen? There's some incredible. I've, I've talked to you. I've known you. And the Lord will. What's beautiful is as you continue to search after God's word, guess what, guys? He keeps revealing stuff to you that you've read over and over and over and over. Isn't that beautiful? As a punishment, my parents used to make me write books of the Bible when I was a child. I've written Ephesians. I've copied it. I didn't write it. I've copied it probably like six times. Can I tell you as I got older that that didn't make me want to read the Bible very much? Because I, But you know what's beautiful? I can see in my notes, I can see Scripture in God's Word in my head from me writing as a, as a child. And what's beautiful is, even as a child, I would get revelation, even in my punishment. Even as much as I didn't like it, I would be writing God's Word. And God's Word is so sharp, it was speaking to me as a child. And all these years later, God can give me this Word, and I can read something in Ephesians that I've read a thousand times. And God can speak to me and say, hey, this is relevant right now in your life. And, and show me something I've never seen. Amen? And, and that's what we find in Ephesians chapter 2. Y'all, let me drink my water for a second. Verse 1 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time. Say, all of us gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we're dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Verse 6 says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a, what does your Bible say? It is a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now I know we've all read that over and over and over. But when I read this, I see this as a blueprint of what God's, how God prepares us. What He saved us from and how important it is that we understand that the preparation that we were going through to be utilized in God's kingdom is so incredibly important. 
And it's nothing to snub your nose at and say, well, I've done that already. I've already, I've been doing this for five years, Justin. You don't know. I already, I'm, I'm, I've achieved that already. Or pastor so-and-so, I know he, he told me this, but I know better than him about this. All right. You ever heard that before? How many of you have ever maybe said that in your heart? Come on. It's all right. I got two hands raised in the back. Thank y'all. Three, four. Me, I know. I mean, I've said that. <laughs> it's true. The, 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 the battle of your flesh and with your intellect and with your own whininess, it is constant and forever. And I just want to encourage you. This is not to condemn anyone. God saved you and qualified you. Amen? Amen. But he has prepared some things for you to do that you've got to prepare yourself to be able to do. And the only way that you can do that is to stop gratifying your old sinful nature, your old sinful ways. And listen, God, God bless. I know you've heard this message a thousand times. This part of the message, I was like, really, Lord, do you want me to share this? Like they don't know this. But this is the point. You continue to die to that. You continue to allow God to shape you and mold you. And it's not for your benefit. It's not so that you can be showered with grace and mercy. But it's so that you can be utilized in the kingdom in a great, mighty way. We wonder how we're going to crush the head of the enemy. It's by being obedient. It's by doing what we read in Ephesians. Allowing God to prepare us for those good works that he has waiting for you to do. Amen. If you, how many of you want to be fulfilled in your calling? How many of you want to walk in obedience? How many of you want to accomplish that which God has for you in your life? That's all that I care about. Listen, if the church would start focusing on that, and I mean you, I mean this body, the body of believers. If we would start focusing on that and not worry about what position or what thought or what, who's going to talk good about me or who, what, how, what the Lord's even going to do in my life. If we would just worry about what God has called us to do right now. And that's to die to every sinful desire of our hearts and to allow God's grace and mercy, not just to forgive us and give us the warm and fuzzies, but to spur us on into what he's called us to do, to be greater than we are right now. God's called you to do that. Do you believe that this morning? God has prepared these works in advance for those who are obedient to do. So God prepares us by speaking to us and saying, hey, draw near to me. Give me every bit of your heart. Pastor Eric's message this morning. I love it. We're agents of favor. We're, we're the but Noahs. I don't know how else to say that. Uh, you can't mix those up. That would be bad. We're, the, we're but Noah, right? We're the agents of favor. We're, so, we're supposed to be walking in that gifting and that calling. And the enemy, what he attacks is the preparation phase. It's the practice time. How many of you remember that basketball player that got on television and they asked him, he's a famous basketball player, and they asked him why, he'd been not going to, he hasn't, why hasn't he been going to practice? And he was like, practice? Practice? Why are y'all talking about practice? I don't need to practice. All I got to do is play the game. That's the only thing that's important. And everybody was like, I don't know who you think you are. You might be a perennial all-star, but you're not above practice. It's not just about game time. I think spiritually in Christianity today, we're being encouraged just that we don't need this practice time. We don't need preparation. I'm encouraging you today. You need preparation. Amen. And it does not stop. Pastor Eric, he needs preparation. Pastor Mike, he needs practice in his life. He still needs spiritual. Pastor Treaster, him and his wife both still need practice in the kingdom. It doesn't stop. There's just new seasons. There's new things that God's prepared for you to do that you've got to get ready to do. 
It doesn't stop. Do you understand? It keeps going and going. The enemy wants you to think that you, it stops. It doesn't. This process keeps going. There's many things that God's prepared for you to do. Stop letting the enemy lie to you and say that you've done enough. You're, you're not qualified to do any more. You can't do any more practice. You can't do it anymore. You can do it. Amen? One of the things that in practice in my life, by the way, I, I, I did get to play football, and I brought, bring this up, and it's just funny to me now, but I got to play football against Pastor Matt Pirro and, in high school. And uh, he was the same size as he is now, which is crazy. I was like really a thin, scrawny kid. Pastor Matt was actually he's probably bigger in high school than he is now, which was terrifying for me, right? And he also had on one of those big, giant face masks that all crisscrossed in the face mask. You know, it was like a, a, a plastic iron titanium net. And he would headbutt you with his helmet when he'd tackle you. And they, that sway back would sway back, and he would go pow and headbutt you with his, with his face mask. And I would watch him, and now I didn't know him, of course, like I know him now. I actually, he, you were number 55. See? He was number 55. You know why I know that? Because I had to watch a lot of tape on him. And him and another brother in the Lord were the only two that I would come to know. That, the only two that we had to worry about was Matt Pirro. And I watched him. And I was, I was an, uh, 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 a running back. And so I would watch him headbutt these guys and their face masks would go crooked and they'd like lay on the ground. If there were targeting rules, Matt would have gotten kicked out in the first 30 seconds of, of a defensive series. It was an unfair tactic. He was like 6'2", this violent Indian guy that would come and just smash into you. And I remember... I remember having to go through practice before we, and this is crazy, but I remember going through practice before we'd had to play Parkview. And Parkview was a bigger school than us, and it was a big deal for us to win because we were a smaller school, and they were, Parkview was a big school in Baton Rouge. And I remember the practice that we had to go through that our coach put us through, and, and it, I thought I was going to die. Uh, do y'all, again, do y'all remember what it was like in November in Louisiana? Imagine it's August and you have to go out and practice twice in the two hottest parts of the day. I thought I was going to die. And what's amazing, the practices were actually the hardest part of our whole process in football. The practices, we, I think we all were about to die. But what it did was, is during the game time, it prepared me to go up against a violent enemy. That was literally, we love each other now. But I have dreams about 55 coming at me. Uh, but the, the honest thing is, is that the practice prepares you for the utilization. The preparation that God brings you through, it, it, it enables you to do the game time in a manner that's not going to kill you. It's not going to hurt you. The preparation that God's bringing a lot of us through right now, it's for us to be able to utilize against the enemy so that you can do greater things, so that you don't get your helmet knocked off by the enemy. Not that Matt's the enemy. Matt was just, he was the embodiment of, of, of for me at that time period. I was scared. I was terrified. But the problem is, is that that practice time, it made it a lot easier. And I was actually able to run away from Matt. That was the whole thing. 
because I had been through hell on earth. Now I could run away from him. But, that, but this is the thing. The practice that God brings you through, don't, short, don't shortchange it. Allow it to hurt. We have this thought now in Christianity that if you're not happy, you don't have to do it. Listen, that, that's, that's the worst lie of the enemy. In your marriages, your marriage, you know, it's not going to be happy. It's going to be joyful. It's going to be satisfying. But happiness, that, that, that has nothing to do with it. If you're in the will of God, he will give you joy that's much greater than any happiness. Amen? It's, it's far more satisfying than anything else on this planet. I don't care about happiness. I care about being in the will of God. Amen? And this is the thing. When we put ourselves in that place, then God can utilize us, utilize us in ways that we never thought. Look real quick, and I'm going to look at 2 Corinthians. We read this, and this is, I wasn't going to read this again. But this is just on my heart, and I can't ignore it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is the deal. Whenever we're, I'm going to look in. Actually, Pastor Eric, look at 2 Corinthians 4. I'm gonna, would you mind reading that? Chapter 4, verses 1, 1 through 16. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who as Lord, I'm sorry, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be also revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal bodies. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Listen to that. I just want Pastor Eric to share his... People listen, I think, when he... When he reads the word a little bit better. I listen better. You want to be utilized in the kingdom? You want God to prepare you 
you want to sacrifice and you want to do this and it's 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 the greatest it's the greatest thing on earth to be able to be in obedience to what god's called you to do pastor eric talked about this this morning i think he even partially quoted this scripture you have to die to everything in your life anything and everything your desires your good intentions your thought process how you were raised and you gotta say hey lord i submit all that to you in in because the enemy He's going to come after you when you're being obedient. Do y'all believe that? The enemy is not going to just come after you. He's going to try to kill you. And it's actually, that's not an exaggeration. Actually, it's much worse. He's trying to spiritually kill you. And that's worse than any death that you could experience on earth. To spiritually be separated from God's will out of your life for eternity. Amen? And so I, I want you to understand that when God utilizes you, this is the greatest calling that anybody, can, uh, that anybody can have on the earth. That God would breathe life into you, pour his grace and mercy out on you. That he would give you eyes to see. That he would give you ears to hear. That he would change your heart. That he would pour out his blood and his spirit into your life. And he would renew you. That's not a thing to be taken lightly. And when the enemy, he comes and he whispers lies to you. He's trying to destroy that. He's trying to destroy you being utilized in the kingdom. And it's everything. This is everything. And Paul, whenever he says, we have this treasure in verse 7 in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not for us. This can't be manufactured. Your, obedient comes, your obedience comes from within because you've allowed the preparation to take place and you're in that place of God's calling to be utilized. Amen? When you're in that place, that's when God's glory is revealed to humanity. Nobody can manufacture that. It can't be manufactured. It can only be done through obedience that God's called you to do it. And you say, hey God, to heck with everything else. I'm going to do what you've called me to do. I'm going to die to every sinful desire. I'm going to give you everything. You want me to speak in tongues? I'll speak in any tongue that you give me. You want me to lay hands on the sick? I'll do it without doubting. You want me to give everything that I have? Not just my 10% my life savings? I'll do it. Don't you know God's wanting you to do that today in every aspect of your life? Not giving your life savings necessarily. That's between you and the Lord. But that God asks you a greater... It's not a bad, I heard all the pastors say that's not a bad idea. It's the, it's the, the point is, is that it, it costs everything. And Paul knew, understood this. And he's like, we're being crushed on every side. The enemy is surrounding us. That's what game time looks like. Game time is number 55, trying to take your head off, right? Trying to crush you at every turn. Mental side note, we weren't friends then really. Actually, we grew up at Bethany. He really knew me, I think, but he just, he didn't care. I think that was, no, I'm joking. But the enemy doesn't have any mercy on you. He wants to actually skull drag you through the parking lot and he wants to kill your kids too. That's the truth of the matter. Do y'all believe that? Uh, somebody's got to tell you, the enemy's not playing games with you. He's trying to skull drag you in the parking lot, kick all of your teeth out, and kill your children. That's what he wants to do. See, Paul understood this cost. He understood what it meant to be prepared and to be used. And being used isn't anything glorious for you. It's glorious for God. That's the all-surpassing power of God is displayed in those who are obedient. And when you're obedient, then guess what? The enemy can't touch you. 
You, you rise above it because you're surrounded by the glory of the Father. And the enemy is nowhere near you. You want to shake the devil off of your finances, shake the devil off your life, shake the devil off your family, walk in obedience in a greater way. Get on your knees before God and say, God, search my heart. What can I do? What can I give? How can I be a better servant to you, Lord? Show me. Let me get close to you and God will do it. How many of you draw near to God in that way? Hey, can we get closer to God? We can do it. How many of you are close enough? I'm not. I don't want to ever have that mentality. I want to be able to understand exactly what Paul is saying. Look in verse uh, 8. We are hard pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're never abandoned. We're struck down, but we're never destroyed. Because we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that his life may be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death. For, the, for, for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal bodies. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And this is it, saints. It, it's, this message is squarely on your shoulders. It's not on Pastor Slaughter or, or, or Pastor Massey. I mean, it's on theirs too, but not, not in your stead. You've got to walk this out. This idea that somebody else does this for us, or this idea that God's not speaking directly to you, it's a lie of the enemy. God needs sacrifice from every person in this room. Amen? Come on, we're not sitting in the chairs just to warm them up. We're sitting in the chairs so that God would speak to us and give us revelation. How many of you are praying, God, give me revelation? How many of you are praying, God, anoint my life? How many of you are treating your wife and your husband like they're the people that God's put in your life to allow you to do this? Or are you treating them like a friend or a roommate or maybe an enemy? How many of you are raising your children up with intention, godly intention, because that's what God commanded you to do? Or do you think you can short-circuit that process, skip that part of the preparation, and just go straight to game time? You can't. You're that guy sitting there saying, practice? I don't need practice. Don't lie to yourself. You need every bit of practice. You need every bit of encouragement from that brother or sitting next, a sister sitting next to you. You need every time that this, those doors are open to be in this place, worshiping God. Every time somebody picks up a guitar, you should be the first one worshiping. Amen? Amen. Not waiting on anybody else, but saying, God, use me. I encourage you. You want to be utilized? Pray that God would use you. And then do whatever he tells you to do. And do it without looking back. Amen? I don't know what, what my next verse is. Oh, let me tell you what this uh, utilization looks like. Look at Psalm 59. I love David. We have this false understanding. That, that being utilized or being in game time, being in ministry, being used as this glorious thing, it's, it's not. It's blood, sweat, and tears, and just to a greater degree. That's, that's all it is. And it's, it, God didn't just call a few. He called everybody in this room to do it. Amen? Every single person. If we're all family, then we all share in this together. God speaks to every person in this room. That he wants to use you, but you got to count the cost. Listen, y'all know David was used by God mightily, right? Yeah. He's a pretty amazing guy. The word says that, that he had a heart that God 
God desired. God loved his heart more so than anybody else. He loved the heart of David. I'm jealous of that statement. I want to I, I love the idea that David walked in such a faithful way that God looked at him and said, Golly, that's the heart that I want. That I, I, I long to have that heart of David. I love that thought that God would say, Justin, you, 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 you're impressing me with your faith. There's Davids in this room. Amen? There, there are Davids in this room that you, you just got to give that over to the Lord and say, God, I want to move your heart. I want to be obedient. David sacrificed everything. We just have to understand that. And this is, what it, it, this is a small glimpse. There's a lot of these. But listen to this. This is a song of David. Psalm 59 says, Deliver me from my enemies, O God. Protect me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from evildoers and save me from bloodthirsty men. That doesn't sound like that's real great. He's in, the, he's in the midst of his ministry, David is. He's in the midst of his calling. He's doing what God called him to do, and everybody's trying to kill him. The enemy is trying to cut his head off. And that's what ministry is. That's what being utilized by God is. This is part of the process that God's asking you and your life to be a part of, to be prepared and to be utilized. And I don't want to mix it up. It's tough work being a real Christian. Amen? It's tough work doing this. Don't let the enemy lie to you and say, hey, all you got to do is show up, clap your hands a little bit, hug, greet some people, give your 10% or whatever you can give, and then be on your way. That's not Christianity. Do you see what we're making it into? We wonder why miracles aren't happening at the altar. We wonder why God's not, why, why there's doubt lingering. Well, we wonder why God's not moving supernaturally in our families, in our workplaces. It's because we're not giving every bit of our heart to the Lord. Amen? And again, I've already said this is the most incredible group of people I've ever been around. This is, this is incredible. But we're not there yet. We're going to keep getting for, further closer to the Lord. Amen? That's the idea. I'm encouraging you, don't rest on what's been accomplished. There's seasons left to be accomplished in this. And we've got to do it. Amen? And this is what God's called us to right here. Deliver me from my enemies, verse 1. Protect me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from evildoers and save me from bloodthirsty men. See how they lie and wait for me. Fierce men conspire against me. For no offense or sin of mine, O Lord. I've done no wrong, yet they are ready to attack me. Arise to help me. Look on my plight. O Lord God Almighty, the God of Israel, rouse yourself to punish all the nations, show no mercy to the wicked traitors. They return at evening, snarling like dogs, and prowl about the city. See what they spew from their mouths. They spew out swords with their lips, and they say, who can hear us? But you, O Lord, laugh at them. You scoff at all those nations. O oh, my strength, I watch for you. You, O God, are my fortress, my loving God. God will go before me and will let me gloat over those who slander me. But do not kill them, O Lord, our shield, or my people will forget. And your might, make them wander about and bring them down. For the sins of their mouths, for the words of their lips, let them be caught in their own pride. For the curses and lies they utter, consume them in wrath, and consume them till they are no more. Then it will be known to the ends of the earth the God rule, that, that God rules over Jacob. Now, what David's heart is expressing here is something very powerful to me. David is hard-pressed on every side. David is doing the will of God. He says, hey, Lord, 
I'm doing what you've called me to do. I haven't done anything to these guys. I'm only being obedient to you. You've put me, you're using me, and people are trying to kill me for nothing that I've done other than obedience. It's not like he stole from them. It's not like he launched a spear into their whatever, their living room. It's not like he tried to hurt them or attack them. He was just doing what God had called called him to do. And what's so convicting for me is how David prays to God. And he says, God, you hear them and you silence them, but don't kill them. Let, them, let their own pride be evident to them. He, he didn't express his own carnality. Sometimes when we're going through game time, we're going through that time of ministry, we're going through that season, we feel like it's okay for us to maybe react in an ungodly way in some area. We'll excuse it. Look what the enemy's doing to me. It's okay for me to be upset and angry, for me to maybe pout, for me maybe to be frustrated, for me maybe to, to get frustrated where I'm at. And when we do that, I want you to know the enemy comes in there and he begins to say, yeah, that's right. You don't deserve this. Well, you, you've given and given and given and given all you can. You should have some money by now. You should have some blessings by now. You should look, look at what's going on in your life. Where's the Lord blessing you? And the enemy will come in there and begin to lie to you. If you allow yourself to not fully depend on God and his promises in your life. If you cry out in your flesh to the Lord, the Lord's not going to honor it. But when you have the heart of David and you say, God, I want you to expose their wickedness, but don't kill them like, like my flesh. I don't want to be submitted to my flesh here. I want still your will to be done in my life, even though they're trying to chop my head off. What a high calling that David understands to be called by God and to walk in faithfulness. Amen? When, when, when David is in the place where God is utilizing him the most, the enemy is trying to kill him, and David's response is, not my will be done, but your will be done in this situation, Lord. Amen? You'll never get that unless you've been prepared properly. And when I say you've been prepared, I mean you've allowed God to prepare you. You'll never understand what it means to depend on God fully for everything and to die to your flesh in the middle of being used by God until you've allowed God to speak through you in that time of preparation. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm saying that it means that you have to sacrifice everything at every season of your life. And there is no substitute. There is no uh, getting out of that process. David didn't do it. Who do we think we are by, by trying not to do that in our life? If David says, hey, Lord, not my will be done, the man that had a heart that God loved more than anybody on earth, who are we to say, who are we to put our desires above what God's called us to? Do you understand what a mighty task that is that God would call you and what it takes to live up to this? Amen? It's serious. And it's something that God's calling his people to do. But this is the beautiful thing. Is that those that would do this, what we're talking about right now, Those that would allow God to use them, prepare them, and use them in that season when the enemy is trying to kill you. For those that would put themselves in that position, God's glory is manifest in everything that you do. Amen? God's glory is manifest, and this is the thing. The world is dying to see somebody living that life. And when you do that, it breaks chains that the enemy has had captive Uh, has held over people for years, generations in their families. When they see God working in your life in this manner, 
those chains are broken supernaturally. Amen? And it is, it's how God works. I want that for our lives. When we go through this process in this way, look in Jeremiah real quick. Another way we can look at this is, is studying. I have it in my notes. I wasn't a very good student a lot of times in my life. And I, I remember having that feeling of being, having the test put on my, my desk and having literally not studied one part of that test. Can anybody relate to that? Yeah. Good. Amen. I'm glad to hear that. Unfortunately, I had that happen way too many times in my life. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes I didn't even know that we were taking a test that day. How terrible is that? I'd be like, what is this? You want me to sign this? What is this a test? Wait, what is today? Friday? No idea. It's up on the board. Test Friday. It's been there for two weeks. That feeling of, of not being able to be tested is a terrible feeling, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, when, you, when the test comes and you're like, good gracious, I'm not prepared for this test. Not because you, I couldn't. I could have studied at any point in time. Heck, we went over it in class. We, we did everything. I, I just wasn't paying attention. Just doing my own thing, daydreaming, maybe even sleeping, whatever it was. But I wasn't preparing for the test. It, it's the same thing in my life right now spiritually, and it's in your life too. God wants you to prepare for that time period so that you're not, you're not clueless, so that you can put pen to paper and say, Hey, God, I want to be used. I want to show myself approved in this area. And trust me, the Lord is looking at our lives. We, we want to say that another thing that's been maligned in, in, in Christianity is this concept of grace. That there's no expectation now for any of us because God's grace covers everything. And we like to adopt that in our own walk and say, well, I know I didn't prepare. I know I screwed that up. Ah, God's grace. It's all good. It's all good. And we wonder why God's not moving in our lives. We wonder why God's not moving in our families. Listen, I'm saying this to challenge you. I know we're doing this. Do it in a greater way. God will move in a greater way. Amen? God will do this in a greater capacity. Pastor Eric said this a long time ago, and I hold fastly to it, that a, a handful of backpack Christians that understand this concept that we're talking about this morning or today, they'll change the whole world. They'll set the whole world on fire. And it's true. This truth that we're talking about is something that the enemy doesn't want you to hear. He doesn't want you to search deep in your heart and say, Hey, God, search my heart out. He doesn't want you to do that. He wants just the status quo. And God is calling you to something greater this morning. I know it's called something for the One Association churches to something greater. And it's greater than anything that's been done yet. And it's probably greater than anything that we're going to ever do. God's going to keep going in the next generation and the generation after that. Amen? So look, look in Jeremiah. Who's there? <laughs> I'm not there. Jeremiah chapter 1. Check this out. We're going to close with this. Verse 4 says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. How many of you have said that to the Lord? 
But the Lord said to me, do not say, I am only a child. Now the Lord said, he said, don't say it. He didn't say, oh, come on now. It's okay if you have that thought every once in a while. It's perfect. No, he said, what did he say? He said, don't say it. He said, I've given you words to speak. You're my child. I, I have anointed you for this time. Don't say anything different. Amen. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Verse 8 says, do not be afraid of them for I am with you and I will. What does your Bible say? What does it say? I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth. And he said to me, now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Now listen. This word that God gives you today, this, this message that we're talking about, about bringing restoration to the nations, it hinges on your obedience. It hinges on your sacrifice. How many of you, and you may not, it's okay, you won't hurt my feelings, but last year I said, the greatest messages on earth that I've ever heard, they hinge on two things. And it's, it's unchangeable. It's obedience and sacrifice. And I find myself this year preaching about the same thing. This concept never ends. That we would obey and we would sacrifice anything we have to, to do what God's called us to do. And that means all of your excuses, all of your, your inadequacies. God loves your inadequacies. Do you believe that? Do you believe that, saints? Or are you saying, but Lord, I'm only a child. Lord, I can't. I, I can't speak well. I, I don't know how to sing. I don't, know how to, I don't know how to just go and pray for people. I don't. I don't. I don't. And the Lord says, stop saying I don't. Stop saying you're not. I've called you and you are. And if you would understand that, and if we would accept that and say, God, not because I said so, but because you said so, I'm going to go speak. He said, speak whatever I tell you. Say whatever I tell you to say to whoever I tell you to say it. Think about that for a second. And what, is it, what does it bring? God said, I'll tear down nations and I'll build them up by your words. I'll tear down nations and I will build up my word. I'll tear down the enemy and I'll build up my truth because of your words that you speak. But God can't do that unless there's obedience. God can't do that unless someone's prepared to be prepared. God can't do that until someone has put themselves in the place to be utilized no matter what the cost. But this is the beauty of it. When you stop saying, I can't or I won't or the enemy this or the enemy that, and you just start saying, yes, God, use me in every capacity. When we start saying that, then God will start tearing down these things that the enemy's built up. That's when restoration comes. It's when we stop saying, I'm not, or I can't, or I don't. And we just start saying, hey, Lord, whatever you put in my mouth, I'm going to speak it to whoever you tell me to speak it to. Amen. And God works and it's displayed for the nations to see. He wants to do that here. To me, that is restoration. 
the part in the scripture that ministers to me so much. It's verse 8. God says, Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you, and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. To me, restoration is being rescued by God. Amen. That's what restoration is. But do you understand the concept of having to put yourself in the place of needing to be rescued? Think about that for just a minute. We want it all mapped out beforehand. Who, who of us is... Who, are we putting ourselves in a place where God's got to come and rescue us? That means we have to be in the place of danger. That means something has had to have happened to us. We've had to have sacrificed. We've got to be in that place where we're crushed and perplexed and we're in despair for God to come and rescue us. Are we, putting, is our, are we living a Christian life that puts us in that place of rescue? Or are we always holding on to a safety net of some kind spiritually? Is, is spiritual restoration a, a spiritual Mai Tai on the beach for you? Or is it saying, hey, God, I'm going to put myself in that place where I need to be rescued by the Almighty. And I want you to come and restore and give everything to my life. And I, and I believe you'll do it, God. I'm going to say whatever you call me to say. I'm going to speak whatever you've called me to speak. I'm going to lay hands on the sick. I'm going to preach your word. I'm going to be a light where there is no light. And I'm going to crush the head of the enemy. Who is saying that in this room? Who's saying it? I'm saying it. I'm saying it. Who's saying it with me? Who wants to be used by God in that manner? Who wants to be in a place where God Almighty would come down and rescue you? I want to be in that place. I encourage you. That's where God's restoration is. It's a tough process. Don't believe any lie outside of these walls that says you can just coast through this. It's too precious. It's too wonderful. The call of God is too great. The enemy's head's going to get crushed and it's going to be because of your words that you speak that God gives you. Amen. Do y'all believe that? Y'all yeah. stand up if you would. And, and, and I'm going to turn it over to Eric. One of the most beautiful things about what is happening here. Is you see men with different deliveries different lifestyles, different locations, and the same heart. Our hope is that every way that a message can be spoken, it'll find new avenues into your heart. When you love people and you've gotten to know them well, you can anticipate where they're going in their directions of thought. When you're encountering pastors that you don't hear all of the time, you have to wonder for a minute. You have to guess. And then you see it happening. And that kind of thought challenges us. I want to encourage you some things that I heard in that message while they're getting ready. Preparation has to do with loss of everything. Whether that's loss of fear that number 55 is coming to get you. I was there when the ambulance came out on the field to haul a young man off. Don't feel bad for him. He deserved every bit of it. <laughs> or whether that is the loss of your own self-sufficiency, the acknowledgement that you've been called to do something that if God doesn't help you do, you can't get it done. Preparation has to do with loss. In Proverbs 13, 8, it says that a rich man's wealth 
will ransom his life. But a poor man, he doesn't even hear a threat. When you've been prepared to lose all things, the enemy's threats hold no sway over you because you've already lost everything. He went on to teach us about utilization. Talk about what feeds your soul. Isn't it a good question? What fed the soul of Jesus Christ? In John 4, 34, he said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me. And hear this next part because it's so important. And to finish his work. Not just to start it. I'm going to bring it to a completion. You want to know what spiritual restoration is? As pastor has described it, we're prepared. We're utilized. And then you reach a place of restoration. What does that mean? Paul said in Colossians 1.29. He says, my goal is to preach him admonishing you with all of his energy. Which works so powerfully in me. When you have made yourself dependent upon the Lord. And you're being utilized. But he sustains you. When he, Jeremiah 1.8. When he comes through and he rescues you. Oh, that is so much better than a latte. So much better than some cheesy Instagram post to impress your friends. When the King of Kings has held you in His hand, and you know that the only reason you stand is because He has held you. Oh man, that's a restoring thing. Preparation is death. Utilization is dependence. Restoration is when He sustains you. Saints, how do you need to be prepared tonight? Is there something that has turned your wheels into square blocks? You just don't move because you're not ready to lose in that area. Is there some area that you haven't stepped out on because you're like, I just don't have what it takes. He knows you don't have what it takes. He wants you to trust and see that He has what it takes. Is there some area that you need to celebrate? Because you didn't have a spouse and He gave you one. You didn't have a child and He gave you one. You didn't even have a job and He gave you one. Where has the Lord restored your soul? And you sit back and think, Netflix will restore your soul? Your next daring leap of faith for Jesus Christ, where He upholds you, that's what will restore your soul. So I'm saying, come take a leap. Come spend some time with the King of Kings. Get right before your God, because He is preparing us to be utilized. He wants to restore your soul. If you hear the voice of His Spirit dealing with you today, consider something that is important beyond all measure. He's under no obligation to ever tell you again. He is a great and mighty King, and He speaks to you but one time. That would be enough. Don't make Him repeat Himself. Walk. You could walk. But I would say you better run to do the next thing that he tells you to do. He is a great and mighty king. And you live because of his mercy. And you live for his mercy. 
Is there something that he will do for you to restore your soul? Well, that probably depends on how dependent upon him you make yourself. How vulnerable you become. Tonight could be you preparing for a truly restoring season. Father, we give you this time now. We say, Lord, will you move in your people? Lord, we want to be prepared for what you have prepared us for. We say, here we are. Utilize us, Lord. We are dependent upon you. Lord, we will be restored as you sustain us. Let your power work through us tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray.